All right. Sorry about that. Okay, so Paul had written this letter to the Ephesians, and for some reason when I started recording, I got louder. Um, wrote, wrote this letter to the people at Philippi to encourage them. He said, Rejoice in the Lord always. Now that's difficult to do when you're going through a tough time, isn't it? Just sometimes when God's really blessing you, rejoice, or he says always, right? So what is he talking about? Uh, let's first establish what joy is. Number one, joy is one of the fruits of the Spirit. Jesus said, by your fruits you will know them. Uh-oh. So a Christian, part of what you ought to be doing as a Christian and the fruit of the Holy Spirit which is in you and magnifies himself in your actions, one of them is joy. You ought to be happy people. I go all over and seen churches long and just Christians sit there in the pew and just, wish that preacher would hurry up. You know, just so unhappy and disgruntled with life. What is that about? Uh, the Bible tells us that, that the Holy Spirit within us brings joy to know that God is in control and, and he, is, he is working things to his good pleasure ought to bring us joy, right? And he's fitting me into that. So the first thing is that, that the, one of the fruits of the, of the Christian life is joy. So how do we have joy every day? Uh, let me give you some verses. Proverbs 23, 7. It says, For as a man thinketh, uh, so as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. You ever thought about that? Have you ever thought that, that what is going on in your mind, that's what you are. You are what you eat. Well, the Bible says you are what you think. What's going on in your brain is what, is, is what you think about yourself, is what you think about other people. Have you ever seen per, some person that, that didn't love themselves, didn't like themselves, and therefore they didn't like anybody else? So as a man thinks in his mind, so is he. If, if you're no good inside, then nobody else is any good either. Uh, I used to work with people, and it was amazing to me how people could, that person, they won't work. They're the sorriest person ever. And I just sort of look at them and say, that's the pot calling the ghetto black. I ain't seen you work a day in your life. Or the people that go around accusing people of being liars are some of the biggest liars there are. Or you accuse people of stealing I know a guy, he'd go everywhere he'd go, oh, that guy stole that, he stole that, he stole. This guy was the biggest crook and thief i ever seen in my life. I mean, he didn't steal major things, but he was constantly taking it. We were at the fire department, and man, it wasn't nothing for him to take a box of pencils or paper or whatever else. But then he went around everywhere else accusing everybody else of being a thief. As a man thinks, so is he. You think everybody else is a crook? Or you think everybody else is sorry? You might want to examine yourself. That ain't me saying it. God said it. You might want to look at what you're doing. Uh, we are the product of what we think. Uh, you put garbage in, guess what's going to come out? Garbage. Garbage is going to come out. Uh, whatever it is that you, that you program is, is what you're going to get. 
is basically what that's saying. Matthew 12, 4 says, uh, Jesus is talking and he's talking to the Pharisees. And he says, oh, generation of vipers. Uh, how can ye, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. So we understand that what I think is what's in my heart, right? And what's in my heart comes out of here. That's what God's Word says. Don't get mad at me. I'm just telling you what His Word says. But, but from the, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. Uh, he says that you being evil, how can you do good? How can you speak good? You're going around condemning and doing all this and all the rest. Why do you want to act like you're good? Everything that comes out of your mouth is evil and condemning and, and putting uh, blame on others and all the rest. But I want to say with that, just reverse that. If you're, being, if you're good in your heart, how does evil come out? See, there's, there's a void there, and I say only God can feel it. And when God fills it with something, uh, they, they say with depressed people, there, there's, a, there's an emptiness, and there's, there's something that they're longing for, they're one, and you've got to replace it with something. Or they'll just die in that depression. Uh, they say one of the best things for a depressed person to do is to go out and help other people. That helps you to see that your situation might not be so bad. And in helping other people, it encourages you. You've got to replace that with something. They, they say it uh, about alcoholics and about people who smoke. And I mean, you, you smoke and smoke and smoke and you try to quit. You're going to replace it with a toothpick or chew gum or patches. or You're going to have to replace it with something. So I'm saying if you replace your evil with good... I don't think evil will come out, or evil will come out. Luke six forty five uh, says, "A good man out of the good treasure of his heart." Remember, in our mind is what's in our heart. What's in our heart comes out of his mouth, and he says, "A good man out of the good treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is good, and an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is evil." God's word backing up what I was just trying to explain to you. For of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. There again we see that. Uh, David understood this truth uh, about uh, the, the thinking. When he was uh, uh, under great conviction about what he had done with Bathsheba, and he was praying to the Lord, he said, Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. I, I can see that David, uh, if, if he'd have done that, uh, he did do that thing, that he says, every day my sin is before me. In other words, all I ever see is negative. All I ever think about, how could I have done that? How could I have do, done such an evil thing? And I'm sure it was just wearing David down, down, down. To the point where he was just in despair and he cries out to God and he says, God, I'm tired of thinking evil. I'm tired of thinking wrong. I'm tired of being in this dungeon, in this miry pit, restoring to me the joy that I once had with your salvation. He confessed his sin and then look what he says, then will I teach transgressors 
thy ways, and sinners shall be converted. In other words, uh, if we have joy as Christians, and God gives us that joy in our heart, in our mind, as we think about ourselves in our heart, and it comes out, then it becomes productive. Then we're a productive Christian. Guess what Satan doesn't want? A productive Christian. See, if if he knows that he can get you down and out and thinking terrible things about yourself, how could you have ever done such a thing? How could you have done this? That's in your mind. Then your heart just starts believing it. And then next thing you know, nothing comes out of your mouth but terrible things. And Satan's won. You're not being productive as God wants. You're not being what God uh, wants you to be and to do if you're down and out and with no joy. That's what Satan wants for you. You know, God, I've said several times, God has a perfect will for your life. Guess what? Satan does too. And first of all, that you don't accept Jesus as your personal Savior. That make him Lord of your life. That is Satan's first will for your life. And if he doesn't get that, the next thing he wants is for you to shut up and don't tell anybody about it. Don't tell him about the God that loves you and gave himself for you. Don't tell anybody of how merciful and gracious and kind. Don't tell anybody of how he provides in the good times and the bad. Satan don't want you to tell anybody that. So when you go through difficult times and you just walk around with your lip poached out, saying, woe is me, Satan's got you right where he wants you. That's pretty much my introduction, I think. Restore in me a joy of thy salvation. Then will I teach transgressors thy ways and sinners. Then will I be productive for you, God. In our text, Paul has given the final instructions to the church at Philippi. And to understand what Paul is saying about joy, I think we have to go to verse 1. If, if you want to get it in its context and understand what he's saying, he says in there in very familiar, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. A very familiar passage of scripture that we have here. But to understand the context of what Paul is talking about, we go to verse 1. He says, therefore, brethren, dearly beloved and long for... My joy, my and crown. He's talking. He's addressing these people at Philippi, and he says, "You are my joy. You, the the, the fact that I administered to you." And you remember, Paul started the church at Philippi when he was in prison. You remember the earthquake came, and they brought him out, and the centurion was saved, and all the rest. Come on, Acts people, we've been studying this. That's when the church at Philippi was born. Because Paul was in prison. And from there, a church started to grow and to flourish. And, and now, years later, Paul is writing, him another, writing them a letter of encouragement, a letter to thank them for, for all that they had done to help his ministry. And he's telling them, you are my joy. I can imagine that Paul got news from other disciples. Man, that the Christians in Philippi are growing. They're giving People are being saved. The church is flourishing. I tell you, as a, as a pastor, as something I've learned is to see a church and it's not so much flourish in numbers, but to flourish in the mindset of knowing God and coming to a closer relationship with Him. That is joy for a pastor. 
That is joy to, have, uh, to, to see that and to, to, to set up here or be in a classroom and to see a light bulb go off in your mind. Now I understand God's word. That brings joy to me. I think that's what Paul was saying here. To see that you are growing and that God is doing great things brings joy to me. But look what he says. He says, stand fast in the Lord in, in uh, 4.1, my dearly beloved. That's the context of these verses. This is a thing to be spiritually um, uh, stable, spiritually sound, rooted and grounded in God's word. He says, stand fast. And and what you've heard, what you've seen me do, what you've been taught, stand on that. And then you'll grow even more. And then he goes on to the verse, the other verse, he says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. That's to delight and to take pleasure in the Lord. Do we take pleasure in the Lord? Do we know what that means? Do we understand that as we go through our life, I think it's so hard, and that's what I was talking about, we get so deep in the forest. All we see is the trees, and we don't see the big picture. God sees the big picture. He knows what he's working. He knows his purpose. He knows he's trying to conform you into the image of his dear son. He knows he's trying to bring circumstances uh, to this place and that place for his good pleasure. He knows the big picture. But a lot of times we just go through life. And life seems so mundane and so difficult at times. And we just want to throw our hands up uh, to take pleasure in him. Is knowing that he's in charge of all things. Knowing that he loves me unconditionally. Knowing that no matter what, God's on my side. Now see, a lot of times we go through our life and we worry about what everybody else thinks. Is this person on my, David, are you on my side? And if David don't talk to me for a week, I want to, what I do? All worried about what everybody else thinks. Let me give you a news flash. I know firsthand you're not going to please everybody. Impossible. I try to be friendly and kind and best I can, but it, no matter what I do, I seem to make people mad. That's just my nature, I guess. But I am so thankful that God loves me just the way I am. I rejoice in the God, my Savior. No matter what, he accepts me. He's working on I'm a work in progress. I know that. And I look to him for my uh, support. I look to him for my needs, for my acceptance. And he accepts me just the, the way I am. Verse 5, let your moderation be known unto all men. It says, um, the Amplified says, let your gentle spirit... That's what the moderation, your general spirit, your graciousness, your unselfishness, your mercy, your tolerance, your patience be known by all people. I want to ask you, what do people look at you and see? Not so much in here. We see each other once a week, and it's good to come in and put on our suit coats and our pink hats and look good for Sunday morning, right? But I want to ask you, what do you look like on Wednesday at work? What do you look like on Thursday, Tuesday, Friday, Monday? 
What will your co-workers say about you? Are you gentle? Are you gracious? Are you unselfish? Paul's saying, let, your, let all that be seen by all men. That's a, the characteristic of a, of a Christian. Uh, how can we have this? How do we have this kind of attitude? Let's keep looking. Uh, first, you start by being careful for nothing, he says. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. By some things? No, by everything. Let it be prayer. So, so daily it's important that we are praying and asking God and seeking God's face, asking for his direction. Lord, I'm in a difficult situation, things I don't understand, but I know you do. Lord, will you just help me? Will you give me the patience? Will you give me the kindness? Will you give me the grace to go through what you're trying to teach me here? That my attitude about life, that my Christian testimony about you would be first and foremost. Again, the, another translation is, do not be anxious or worried about anything, but in everything, every circumstance, every situation, by prayer and petitions, with thanksgiving, continue to make yourself make your specific request known to God. Every circumstance, every situation with thanksgiving. God, I know the refrigerator went out, but I think you're going to provide me a better one. That's thanksgiving, right? David and Marie, you know, I hope I don't embarrass you here. I mean, you know, y'all know Marie's been diagnosed with cancer and gone through some chemo. And I've talked with David some. I hope you don't mind me. But, yeah, he'll be all right. <laughs> but just the attitude of, you know what? God's, he's told me time and time again, God's never let me down my whole life. And I don't expect he will this time either. That's the attitude we ought to, that's thanksgiving that God is in control. He knows what he's doing regardless of what I like it, whether I understand it, whether I know it. Never mind you, Paul's in jail. He's given this encouragement. No matter what, my God will meet all my needs according to his riches and glory. Amen. And if this is my time to go, it's my time to go. I know that's easy preaching, hard living. Been there, done that. But there are worse things than dying. I mean, I, I, the older I get, the more I look at people that go on to be with the Lord, and I look at them and say, you know what? They're the lucky ones. They got out of this mess. <laughs> oh, it's, what a mess that we live in today. So I'm going to keep moving on. I'm sorry, I got a little sidetracked there. But they say it's all right to get sidetracked and get chased a rabbit as long as you catch it, right? All right. The opposite of worry. He says, be anxious for nothing. Well, what's the opposite of that? Uh, to get upset about every little thing. To take out your frustration on everyone that crosses your path. That's what I was talking about earlier. You get in a difficult situation, you're mad about the situation, you're mad about everything, you can't fix it, and so you just get mad at the whole wide world, and the whole wide world is going to know that you're mad about something. 
Ever been there? It's like they say the, the, the daddy has a bad day at work. He comes home and he throws his briefcase down or lunchbox or whatever he has and the wife doesn't quite have supper fixed yet. Where's my supper? This is old school stuff. I know I'm way outdated on this. But the daddy gets mad and he takes it out on the wife, right? Well, what does the wife do? Well, she gets mad at the kids. Clean this living room up. Your daddy's home. You don't never, have you done your homework yet? And she gets mad at it because the husband took it out on her. She's going to take it out on the kids. Guess what happens next? The kids kick the cat. It just trickles down. It gets worse and worse. And, and that's the problem of, of worry and upset about things that you can't control. It just affects everyone around you. Everyone. And the cat gets kicked. All right? Paul's saying, don't do this. Uh, as I said, Paul was in jail encouraging them, don't be this way. Don't be this way. Uh, then he gives us a list in verse 8. And I'll just go through them briefly. He says, finally, brethren. Now, he said all that to say that, you know, rejoice in the Lord. Uh, don't worry about anything. Uh, the, the peace of God that passes all understanding. I got ahead of myself. Now, we're back at chapter 7, and that's where I'm at. The peace of God which passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. See, if you, as he said in the verse before, don't worry, don't be anxious about nothing. Uh, but take everything, all your prayers, all your requests to God in prayer and ask him for direction. Then, then the peace of God, which passes all understanding. I, I have felt that peace before when I have been in a difficult situation and I, I just wanted to be honest with God and say, God, if you don't help, I'm going to quit. I'm going to throw my hands up and quit. God, I need you. And then to feel God's presence through the power of his Holy Spirit just to come over me and say, Kenny, it's going to be all right. I know you don't understand. And I know you're hard-headed as Stone Mountain. But it's going to be all right, son. I promised you that. I've felt that in my life. I've experienced that. And the peace of God that would come over me. And then there's been times I've gone through things that I really just did not think I could do. If you'd have asked me beforehand, you think you could ever do that, Brother Kenny? Nope. Not going to go through that. But by God's grace, when, when I went through it, I couldn't explain it. How God just carried me through. And gave me a peace and an understanding and patience to do exactly what he wanted me to do. That's the peace of God that passes all under. It, you, when you can't explain, uh, you go through a situation like David and Marie and some of you other. And you, why are you happy? Why are you acting? Paul, why are you so happy in jail? Because the peace of God that passes all my understanding has filled my heart and my mind. And I'm going to rejoice in him. I'm going to be glad uh, of every day that he's given me. 
See, we need to renew our mind. We need to have a new way of thinking. See, the problem today, though, is that people don't want to think. People give up on thinking. You know why? Because it takes effort. And it, trust me, I know when you have programmed your mind for years to think a certain way, and God says, no, I don't want you thinking that way. I don't want you acting that way. It takes effort. Uh, it's, uh, you know, when I talk about to have joy every day, don't think that you can pray at the end of the service or tomorrow morning, God, give me peace, give me joy, and, and know that all next week everything's going to be butterflies and everything's great, right, and flowers. No, it takes time. Because as soon as God convicts you of something and you of something, something, and you recognize that, and you confess that to him, and you're right, God, I want to do better. I want to guess what happens? Oh, Satan just comes and says, No, no, you're not. You ever experienced that? Paul experienced that. The things I want to do, I don't do, he says in Romans chapter 7. And those things that I don't want to do, I'm doing them. What's wrong with me? See, Satan's going to fight you tooth and nail to have. He don't want you to have joy. He don't want you to understand the peace of God that passes all understanding. It's going to take time. And, and I started this by saying it takes effort to think. We're raising a society now that says, I don't want to think about it. Does it make me feel good? Am I going to benefit from it? And that's how we make our decisions. It's not based on anything true. It's just how I feel and what I want. And when we get in that sad state of mind, we get in a terrible mess. We'll keep looking at this. Now we get to that Paul wanted to have them a mindset of, of loving God, of, of, of having joy every day. Uh, verse 8. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true. Do you want to know how to have joy like Paul had in prison? You know, have joy when you're in difficult things. Whatsoever things are true. That means meditate on what's true. Not how you feel. Not what's going to get benefits you. What is truth? Well, there's some arguing that today. So, oh, there's no truth. There's no absolute truth. Truth is to me, but it may be truth to different to you. <laughs> Hogwash. God's word is truth. That's the standard. Jesus said that uh, that if well, he said something. <laughs> well, maybe I'm not supposed to say that. He said the truth will set you free, right? You'll know the truth if you know him and the truth will set you free. So God's word is truth. So when you're going through a difficult time, don't let all that you hear from your friends and family and all these people that have their own opinions about what you ought to be doing, is it based on this? See, Job experienced that. He had four great friends, didn't he? They sat there and accused him the whole time of being a backslider and doing wrong. And, well, you must have really messed up, Job. 
God wouldn't be doing this. And the whole time just trying to put their finger on Job. They weren't real friends. There was one young boy, Elihu. Anybody ever heard of Elihu? Do you even know he's in the book of Job? He's the only one that had the right answer. He's the only one that gave encouragement. He's the only one that said what he said based on the word of God, the truth. And after Elihu spoke, then God showed up. See, Job experienced the same thing. So I encourage you, don't, when you go through difficult times, it's easy to say, what do you think, brother? What do you think, sister? Well, mom, what do you think? Dad, what do you... That's all good to have support and all the rest. But if it's not based on God's word, it's not worth two cents. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, God's word is true. Whatsoever things are honest... What's honorable? What's worthy of respect? What's held high in regard? What, what is that about? Think about that. What's, what is honesty? What is honorable? What is worthy to be praised? Whatsoever things are just. What's right? And we got people today, there's no right and wrong. It's just whatever you want. Oh boy, here we go again. God is right. God is righteous. He set the standard for righteousness. His word is true. Whatsoever things are lovely. That uh, The word lovely is, is I, I'm not that I'm smart. It just Biden's concordance told me. It's sweet. It's gracious. It's pleasing. It's generous. Uh, lovely. What is lovely? It is something that's just so precious, so dear. What is, uh, it is a pleasing thing. Whatsoever things are a good report, uh, well thought of, or highly regarded. Uh, things that are, that, that most men will look at and women look at and say, you know what, that's, that's awesome. Based on God's word. What is held of high regard uh, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, what does he say? Think on these things. We're going back to what's getting in your mind. You've got to reprogram the mind so the heart knows how to act so you know what to come out of the mouth. Christians, we ought not be going around thinking negative and all down in the dust. Yes, life is going to be difficult. John 6, uh, 16, 33, Jesus said, In this world you will have trials and tribulations, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. That is the hope that we have. That is the assurance. That's the truth. Uh, that's what's honorable. That's what's righteous. That's what's morally clean. And, and whatsoever things are pure. Whatsoever things are lovely is, that is precious to me. That is grace to me. That was generous. The greatest, the gen, most generous thing that could ever be done is him to give his life for me. These are the things that I focus on. These are the things I want to think on. Not all that's a difficult thing. I think we need to protect our mind from negative things. Center your, your, your mind and, uh, on, on these things that he's saying to them and implant them in your heart. And out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth will speak. 
then you'll praise God. Then you'll encourage others. Then you'll be productive. Then positive things. There's the joy of your salvation, God. Guys, the joy of God's salvation will come when you begin to reprogram and rethink what's going on. And in verse 9, and I know I've got to close, he said, those things which you both learned and received and heard. He's telling the people at Philippi, whatever I've taught you, whatever the disciples after me have taught you about God's love and his gracious and his kindness, and I'll never leave you, I'll never forsake you, I'll supply all your needs according to my riches and glory. He said, all these things you've heard and seen in me, do them. In other words, if you can't get it in your mind yourself, look to Jesus first of all, the author and the finisher of our faith. And then, oh yeah, he was perfect. He was the son of God. And then Paul says, well, he's helped me do it too. I'm in jail and I'm happy for it because I know I'm serving my risen Savior. I know I'm doing the will of the Father. I'm being productive in the life that he's given me. Some people just sit around all the time. I wish I just had another life. You'd probably mess that one up too. Truth be known. See, God's given each and every one of you a life to live. And he wants you to have joy. He wants you to have peace. He wants you to go through that life with joy in your heart. Don't let Satan bring you down to defeat you, to discourage you to do the things opposite of what God has for you. He says, and the peace of God shall be with you. Paul was a good example. Jesus was our best example for fulfilling the will of the Father. Jesus says in John 15, 11, these things have I spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. See, I believe God wants us to have joy. Are we always going to be happy? Is everything always a bed of roses? Probably not. More than likely not. We pretty much all agreed at the beginning of this, life is not a bed of roses. But Jesus said, if you'll follow me, I'll give you joy unspeakable and full of glory. The peace of God which passes all understanding. Life becomes clear. Things uh, that you just really didn't understand when you put it in the perspective of a loving, almighty God. Things become clear. Things become a little better. And to know that you're pleasing the God of all the universe, that gives me joy. That gave Paul joy. To endure all the things that gave our Savior joy. Who for the joy of pleasing the Father endured the cross. Gave himself for me and you to bring salvation to the world. You can have joy every day. Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your love to us. Lord, we go through this life and I know the message that a You've given me, as I've said this, that, Lord, it's difficult sometimes. I know that. 
I've experienced difficult times in my life too, and I have to be reminded by you of how gracious you are and loving you are and that you want me to have joy and peace that passes all understanding. Father, I pray for each and every one here. It may be going through a difficult time, Lord. I pray that you would just pour your love around them, wrap your loving arms around them, and just encourage them. Let them know that you love them beyond anything and that you care for them more than anything in this world, enough to give your son to die on the cross for their sins. Lord, just fill us with your grace and your mercy. Thank you for loving us just like we are. Lord, help us to love ourselves as you love us, that we would be love, that we would love others and do your will. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.